Pope St. John Paul II said that discovering Christ always again and always more fully is the most wonderful adventure of our life. Blazing the Trail is a weekly conversation where we talk about this adventure with courage and hope while sharing stories about what the Holy Spirit is doing in Western Oregon and beyond. Welcome back to Blazing the Trail here on Mater Day Radio, and welcome to all those who are tuning in through the Archdiocese of Portland's podcast channel. My name is Miriam Marston, and I'm delighted to spend this time together as we listen to stories of how the Holy Spirit has transformed lives and has sent people out on mission to bring the beauty of the faith to every corner of the world. So what does being on mission look like? Well, my guest today, Mike Tenney, gives us a glimpse of what one evangelizing life can look like. Mike is a Catholic worship leader and speaker and host of a podcast called Pop Culture Catechism. I was intrigued by Mike's podcast because it really sits at that intersection of faith and culture, and he takes a close look at how artists are shaped by the world around them, for better and for worse, uh, to be honest. And as a songwriter myself, I can attest to the impact of what's out there in the culture. So for a number of years now, I've written a lot of music that's inspired by and anchored in my Catholic faith. But to be honest, the seeds of that songwriting were planted by musical influences that didn't really have anything to do with church or faith. So some of my earliest memories involve family car rides that we'd go on to visit my grandparents in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, which was about an hour and a half from where we lived in Virginia. And there was a season there when we'd often listen to the same three cassette tapes over and over again. And those tapes were the soundtracks to Jurassic Park and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and then an album by Enya. And I remember listening to this music and being struck by the emotion that would stir up in my own young heart. And it was really my first experience of the power of art and music and how it could deeply affect the listener. And later on, I learned how music can truly open the heart up to exquisite moments of prayer and meditation, drawing us ever more deeply into the heart of Christian life. So if things like music and movies and books have such potential to move our lives in this or that direction, then it's definitely worth looking at and talking about. So please enjoy my conversation with Mike as we chat about faith, culture, and how we should work to get back to normal without really getting back to normal. In other words, what new thing is God trying to do with us and in us as we emerge from this pandemic? Joining me on the show today is Mike Tenney, who is a Catholic speaker and worship leader and host of Pop Culture Catechism. Thanks very much for taking the time to chat today, Mike. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on the show. It's, it's been, a, been a few years since we've seen each other. It has. Our paths mm-hmm. first crossed, I think, uh, a number of years ago. You were at Catholic University uh, in Washington, mm-hmm. D.C. My sister was at that school. Yeah. Um, and so I think we met a few times then. It was actually my sister who suggested I reach out to you and reconnect because she was aware of some of the great work you've been doing. So I'm, I'm glad this mm-hmm. conversation's happening. <laughs> me too. Shout out to Joelle. I miss you, girl. It's been a while since we've <laughs> seen each other in real life. So Definitely. All right. Well, Mike, you know, a lot of your work uh, seems to focus on this intersection between faith and uh, culture. Um, Before we get to what living in that space looks like, let's talk about the road that you've been um, on up to this point. Yeah. Could you give us a could you give us a snapshot into how your own friendship with Christ developed over time and how your Catholic faith has been shaped and strengthened uh, through the years? 
Yeah. So I grew up in a, a cradle Catholic family with my, actually my dad was not Catholic. My mom was, and my dad just kind of always supported her and whatever she did. So we went to mass, we prayed before we went to bed. We prayed before we said, uh, you know, we said grace at meals and that sort of thing, yeah. but it wasn't something where we were praying the rosary together. We didn't talk about God that much. You know, my mom would tell us, you know, when somebody dies, you go to heaven and you know, God's looking out for you. But I wouldn't say our, our faith was like something that was like an integral part of our, our, life growing up. I mean, I guess I, I believed and, you know, maybe I'd pray before I went to bed. Um, but it was really, um, I think my confirmation kind of, kind of laid the grace seed in there. And then it really blossomed once I got into high school and I started going to a Catholic high school. Um, my mom had always wanted to send us to Catholic school, but we went to public school K through eight. So I went to a Catholic high school, started taking religion class. And I was the one kid in the class who was like, Hey, this is interesting. You know, all the other kids that had it, uh, you know, as another, it was just another class for them. Cause they've right. been going to Catholic school, but I was like, yeah, this is interesting. And at the same time I got involved with our youth group. We had a really strong youth group. And my, my older brothers had been involved there. Um, and we, we had like a Kairos type retreat that I went on. And that was a real encounter experience for me. And I feel like that was, that was when the, the, the seed kind of started poking up through the, um, the, the, the ground. And I really felt galvanized is when I, I really had an encounter and felt like, whoa, this God stuff is real. And they taught us how to pray at a deeper level mm-hmm. and speak to God as a friend. It was where I made my first real honest confession. I felt mm-hmm. like it was where I, I just felt like I, I met some people who accepted me for me. And I didn't feel like I was always trying to, you know, please this person or please this person or seek the approval of this person. I felt like I found some friends who just, you know, they were, they were living for Christ and they weren't ashamed and they, they, they had something that I didn't have. And I didn't really know how to identify it, but I wanted it. They seemed like they had this freedom in the way that they yeah. lived. And so that was really attractive to me. And, and so I continued to get involved in my youth group, continued to get involved with campus minister at my Catholic high school. And, uh, it just started me on this journey of going deeper in my faith. I uh, mm-hmm. felt really convicted that I wanted to go to a Catholic college. So I went to Catholic University of America in Washington, DC, where I met your sister. And I started, uh, uh, you know, going to things like Eucharistic adoration. That's, that's where me and your sister really became friends as we were both musicians at the Wednesday night worship at Eucharistic adoration. And, um, you know, it was just kind of this community of people where it was the cool thing to do that you go to, to pray the rosary at 10 o'clock at night. And then you go to daily mass on your lunch break at noon. And then, um, you know, you're spending your spring breaks and your summers doing mission trips in third world countries. And you're, you're doing pro-life work, you're doing social justice work, you're learning how to pray. Um, you know, and it just was this awesome community of, of, of people who, who love, loved mass and loved the sacraments and loved the mission of the church. And we were all growing in, in, in holiness and knowledge of Christ together. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, so that, that, that was, that, that was kind of the beginning. Um, I don't know if you want me to go into professional stuff and after college, but (laughs) I'd love to. Yeah. Well, what did you study at Catholic U? I studied English and secondary ed. Um, and then all my free time was doing music ministry. Basically. (laughs) Um, I, I was a jock in high school and then I transitioned to being a musician in college. (laughs) Love it. So what does that look like after college? Then you used your education degree. Uh, how did you continue with the music and also vocationally what's going on? Yeah. So I discerned, uh, um, the priesthood hardcore in college. Um, and, which was hard because I also like fell in love hardcore <laughs> in college. There was a, a girl I dated all through college. Um, and, 
yeah. And she was a super holy woman. And I grew a lot in faith from her. She's the first one that taught me how to pray the rosary and, and all, and really she had, she had had some siblings who had discerned. And so she actually taught me a lot about discernment. Um, she was like the perfect person to date as someone who is discerning the priesthood. Um, and, uh, you know, we ended up breaking up so I could, I could go discern and we got back together and then we, you know, senior year at the end of senior year, we just, you know, we, we went our, our, our different ways. Um, but so I kind of feel like I hit my quarter life crisis a little early. A lot of people hit it when they get out of college and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm an adult. I hit it like right in the middle of college where I was like, oh, what am I called to do? I'm like super in love with this awesome girl, but I'm also like, um, you know, discerning the priesthood and, you know, am I supposed to go be a missionary somewhere? So uh, anyway, after my senior year, I ended up doing a Capuchin volunteer corps in New York mm-hmm. yeah. um, with the Capuchin Franciscans. And I worked at a youth center called Capuchin uh, Family Capuchin Youth and Family Ministries in the Lower Hudson Valley of New York. Um, And I I did retreat work there for a year with, um, did like a hundred retreats that year. It was crazy living in community. Yeah. Um, And then from there, I applied for both English and religion jobs when I was coming back to the DC area. And I got a um, religion job at the same high school where my brother was teaching St. Vincent Pilate High School. And I taught there for 14 years. And wow. yeah, it was beautiful, beautiful uh, faith community there. Um, just a, a Catholic school that's doing a, a lot of really awesome things. Cool. Uh, small community, family community, um, the Catholic mission of the school and Jesus are just like right at the center of what's going on. Awesome. <laughs> it's, uh, awesome. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a great community to be in. And I got involved at the the parish church there. And that's where I met my wife, uh, was at that church. And, um, I was also playing in a rock band at night, trying to make it big as a rock star. <laughs> and after, after a few years, I feel like God kind of led me into doing more of the, the speaking worship leading. Mm-hmm. I kept getting more invitations, more invitations to go do that. And, and one time we were, yeah. um, we were playing a worship gig with the worship band and our, our bassist from like our secular band was sitting in. Cause like our, our worship bassist wasn't, wasn't there. There was a couple of yeah. us that kind of crossed over between the two bands. So our yeah. secular bassist uh, who normally played with us, like at the bars and clubs and stuff played with us at this worship gig. And afterwards he came up to me and he said, don't take this the wrong way, man but you're really good at this. And I was like, Oh, thanks. He's like, I mean, you're a good songwriter. You know, you're, you're a good musician. You're a good guitarist, but like you really shine here. And, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. that and a couple other experiences just kind of led me to, to devote more of my time to, to that. And, uh, this past year, after 14 years of teaching Catholic high school, I decided to uh, stay home with my kids more and, and devote myself more full time to uh, doing worship leading and, and speaking. And awesome. I started started this YouTube show podcast called Pop mm-hmm. Culture Catechism. And uh, yeah, my wife and I have two kids and awesome. we're, uh, yeah, our home life balance is way better since I quit my job. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. gosh. Well, thanks for bringing us up to speed. And that's that's yeah. where I, I really, I kind of want to pick up there. Um, and for those who are just tuning in, I'm speaking with Mike Tenney, who's a Catholic speaker and worship leader. Um, and you mentioned host of Pop Culture Catechism. All right, walk us through this. What is Pop Culture Catechism? What, what does catechism and pop culture have to do with one another? Yeah, exactly. So uh, what, is, what is a catechism? A catechism is a tool for catechesis, for teaching the faith. So, um, you know, maybe some older listeners might be familiar with the Baltimore Catechism, which was kind of this question and answer, you know, why did God make you? He made you to, to know him, love him and serve him in this life and be happy with him in the next. It was kind of this question and answer kind of basics of the faith. Um, you know, when people think of the catechism, it's this this big green book that has kind of a summary of all the of all the major doctrines of the church. Um, but throughout 
uh, church history, the teaching of the faith has often been done as, as a dialogue. So if you read like mm-hmm. St. Augustine on his free choice of the will, it's a dialogue that he wrote between him and like an imagined person he's having this discussion with. If you've mm-hmm. read Plato and, and you ever had to read Plato's Republic, it's all this dialogue. Or if you read uh, Thomas Aquinas and, and the Summa, it's very much laid out as like, all right, well, here's a point of view. Here's the counter objections. Here's what I say on the contrary. And here's, so it, it's very much laid out as this dialogue. And so there's this great tradition in the church that conversation is one of the ways that we learn the faith and teach the faith. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of the premise of my show is mm-hmm. we're having discussions about pop culture. We're talking about yeah. Billie Eilish. We're talking about Taylor Swift. We're talking about Star Wars. We're talking about Harry Potter. We're talking about the Marvel cinematic universe. And yeah. Through having conversations with interesting, smart people, we're, you know, learning about the faith and talking about the faith. So that's, that's what we're doing. I love it. And you, you know, you, you touch on, I, and I love all those topics. That's, that's great mm-hmm. to hear. It's great fun. Um, but you, you also hit on something that's important is this art of conversation. And I know this yes. is something like culturally we're really struggling with that uh, things have kind of <laughs> taken, taken a, a a wild turn into how we're actually trying to talk to each other. Mike, how, how do you think, um, where, where is there a remedy for, for how we recapture this art of conversation? What are you finding in your own ministry and apostolate? How do we recover just charitable and, and good fruitful conversation? Yeah. So I, I noticed something one time I was having a discussion online and on like Facebook with a good friend of mine who is very, has, we, we I've always disagreed about a lot of stuff, especially political stuff. And we were, and I felt like at the end of the conversation, like I felt like angry and like there was something like between us that needed to be reconciled. Yeah. And I was thinking, it was like, how come when we were in college and we lived down the, the hall from each other, when we had these conversations at the end of the night, I felt like closer to him. Isn't that, and I just think reflecting on this and, and just, it was, it was interesting and we can have the same conversation. It's the same people with the same opinions, but yet in person, that conversation happens and we feel closer. Like we understand each other better, right. but when it happens online, it feels contentious. It feels like we're mad at each other. And so, uh, what I've come to understand is this idea of solidarity when in the, in the teachings of the church, there's this concept of solidarity where it's, it's not just enough to know that someone is there and know their needs or even like send them a check if they're in need, but there's something to living in community with people. There's something to being brothers and sisters. There's something to this being of one heart and mind where it's no longer an us and a them. It's just an us. Mm -hmm. And it's something that social media is not great at, at least like, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I think there are some other types of social media, like Marco Polo, I think is really good at that, where you're actually seeing someone's face, FaceTime, you're actually having a real life conversation. Uh, some yeah. of the, some of the zoom chats, like um, some, some of my buddies and I, we have a weekly game night that we've been doing during uh, coronavirus where we get on, we play PlayStation and like talk about yeah. just things that are important to us. And it's that same sort of vibe that, that I was talking about where we can disagree, but we're still all buddies at the end of the night. And I had so much fun doing it, you know, but it's not this, this contentious thing. So I, I think, um, um, you know, social media is a tool mm-hmm. and we should try to focus on one, you know, using those tools that help us to have solidarity with one another. Um, and so on my show, I try to not to always have people that I know are going to 100% agree with me. Like right. I'm, I intentionally have people that lean a little bit more one way that lean a little bit more the other way, but we have, we're having a conversation. We respect each other. We're united in our love for Christ. And we might not have it all figured out by the end of the episode, but <laughs> we're, we're talking about it. We're sharing, we're respecting each other. Um, and, and so that's really something I, I think that there's a need for is 
we as Catholics really need to resist this polarization. We really need to resist um, this kind of self-segregation into only the people that agree with me, only the people that think exactly as I do. Um, And it drives me crazy because there's so many Catholic um, like social media accounts where most of the stuff they post about is just how hypocritical those people are, whatever those people, you know, and it, it, it happens on both sides. Um, they say, you know, those people, and they're so hypocritical because this, this, and this. And I was like, when was the last time you posted something about the faith? You're supposed, you know, like that's not that we shouldn't be involved in politics. I think we should, but mm. it's, it's yeah, anyway. So the, that's, that's a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> no, no. And I, and I get it. You know, there is something, again, it's not to disengage from the current you know, mm. moment, but there is something about our faith that transcends the moment too yes. and points us beyond it. And as you're, as you're talking, I'm thinking about um, what, what we hear in, in scripture about how like, Christians, they, they will be able to recognize us by the way we, we love each other. Yes. And that is really the key witness that, that we need to give. Um, and that starts with me <laughs> and I gotta, mm-hmm. I gotta point the finger at myself first yeah. and say, well, okay, before, before I look to anyone else, like I gotta look into my own heart and really it starts, that's, we know this, that's the first kind of mission territory for the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit, um, yes. is to allow ourselves to be continuously evangelized by the power of God yes. and really have it take really deep root in our own heart, in our own lives, in our own homes, our schools, our community. And, and I don't think it's naive or, uh, you know, overly optimistic. Our hope is that it radiates then from from there. Yes. And, mm-hmm. you know, you've been kind of in this world for for a while teaching. Um, you taught theology. Is that correct, mm-hmm. Mike? Yes. Yeah. So, so you were teaching that. You're in the world of um, you know worship music and speaking and writing. Um, let's let's talk about the good fruit that you're seeing. You know, because I I've had other guests who say, you know, yes, there are challenges out there. We acknowledge them. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about the good stuff that's happening because we're talking about good news here. Amen. So anything you can share from your own experience or just what you've seen others do um, across the country and the world, what what are the good things that are happening in sharing the gospel? Well, I think something that we've seen over the past year is um, people are they've been kind of brought more locally in a lot of ways. People are getting to know their neighbors in a way that they weren't before. People are getting to spend time with their family in a way that they weren't before. And um, I I think people are hungry to uh, people have been reading more. People are kind of getting fed up with just like the constant scroll on their phone. I heard a couple of things recently. Um, Like they say, C.S. Lewis books are like selling, like they had the best selling year ever this year. Wow. that they've ever had before. So like people are hungry for truth. And like the number one podcast for the first few months of uh, this year was uh, Father Mike Schmidt's going through the Bible. Like people yeah. are fed up yeah. with just like whatever the algorithm feeds us and they're looking for something substantial. They're looking for something true. Um, and so, uh, I mean, that's what my show, my show is try, kind of trying to kind of fill that gap. It's like, oh, I'm going to, you know, we're going to talk about the MCU, but we're also going to talk about Thomas Aquinas. So we're going to talk about Catholic social yeah. teaching, you know, um, and, and get in there. So I think people are ready for, for real food. They're ready for something that satisfies and is more than just the outrage of the moment. Um, yeah. so I, I see that, I see that all over the place. Um, awesome. and, uh, yeah, I, I think people are people are hungry for it, and I'm I'm excited yeah. to see what happens with people going going back to church. You know, I yeah. think everybody's worried: are is mass attendance going to go back up? You know, or are donations going to go back up? Is much you hate to talk about that. That's how a lot of people's salaries get paid. You know, mm-hmm. um, and 
I see so many creative minds in the church working on um, like new parish missions and new, new community events in their parish. And just how do we, how do we reach out to people? How do we call people home? How do we really, how do we not go back to the way things were, but, and get, take the best of what we've learned during quarantine and during COVID and how do we, how do we use what we've learned so that we can, we can get back to normal without getting back to normal. You know, we can, we can be better than we were, you know, and we, we don't forget the lessons we've learned of getting out of the rat race and we can um, really focus more on building local community. Cause I think that's, that that's so important. If you can invest in your parish and uh, you know, so, something I think we often um, forget as, as somebody who works in ministry, I'm sure you'll, you'll associate with, uh, you'll connect with this is so often ministry is, you know, this program and this mm-hmm. talk, when, if you look at the, like the acts of the apostles, so, and even Jesus's ministry, it's like, and he ate with them in their homes, you know, mm-hmm. they invited them into their homes. And so much of that, uh, of, of ministry really, I feel like happens in those things that aren't just like programs, you know, come to the church and mm-hmm. it, it's, it's times when we eat together and we have these real moments of community. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's so. church outside of church too. Exactly. Yeah. You know, um, and, and, you know, Mike, you mentioned this, this, the, the importance of the local community, talking about our, another community, the community of saints. So you've name dropped a couple saints. Mm, so yeah. what are, what are some of the saints that uh, you've turned to? What wisdom have you gleaned from them? And where would you encourage others to turn to if, if they're looking to take those steps um, kind of outside the box to, to reach others? Um, yeah. What saints are you turning to these days? So uh, my, I mean, the ones I named my, both my children af- after uh, one uh, St. Teresa of Avila, I named my daughter Avila. Um, she's just like, get this great mystic mind um, and her understanding of the prayer life and this whole, this whole concept of the interior castle mm-hmm. and leaning, learn, you know, learning to know yourself and exploring the different rooms of this castle within ourselves and how God can really show you yourself. And, you know, I think of like, what's a castle for? Like a castle is it's for protection, you know, and if you build this strong castle within yourself, it can protect you from the temptation and the challenges of the world. But what else does a castle do? It's where the king lives, right? And so you're building within yourself this place where Christ can live. And so when you do come across a hard thing, you're, you're not, you might be shaken, but you won't crumble, right? Yeah. There's, there's that passage at the end of the uh, Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, if you, if you hear my words and act on them, you will be like the wise man who built his house on stone. And like, that's what I learned from St. Teresa is this, this yeah. prayer life, which gives you strength and helps you build this strong foundation where Christ can come and live with you, protect you from, from the things you're going through and give you deeper knowledge of yourself. So I, I love St. Teresa of Avila. The second one, I named my son, John Paul for John Paul II. I know he's everybody's favorite, but I'm basic, whatever. <laughs> he's, he's awesome. And he satisfies kind of that. Um, well, Teresa of Avila does too, but that like philosophical part of my mind where he's just yeah. so smart. Um, and, and I love him too, because he, he just explained so much of, of Catholic thought, Catholic sexual ethics, Catholic mm-hmm. social teaching for the 20th and 21st century. Um, and again, he give as the church does, and as the teaching of the church does, it gives us a template to understand the world and how to live in the world. That's, wiser and sturdier than just, you know, the American political polarity bickering back and forth. You know, if you there, he has stuff on, on economics and Santissi Musanus, he has stuff on life issues um, in the gospel of life, Evangelium Vitae. Um, He's just, just such a mind and such a, such a, yeah, just to have a brain like that. Good grief. (laughs) I know. 
Yeah. So th- uh, those, 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 those are two. Uh, another one I, ha- I have to talk about St. Vincent Pilati, who is the, um, the patron of the school that I worked at for years. And he's, he's not known by many people, but no, he's, he's, all, not, he, yeah. he's all about the personal call to holiness and how every single person is called to be an apostle and a missionary sent out to spread the word of God. And just in your, in your everyday life, we're all called to holiness. Um, and yeah, just, he's a, he's a beautiful example of, uh, very much like St. Therese where yeah. just living your life every day with, with personal holiness. And that's for everybody. Love it. Mm-hmm. Mike, where can folks, uh, go to learn more about your own ministry right now of uh, the pop culture catechism and other things you're, you're up to? Yeah. So go to MikeTennyMusic.com and there's links to everything I'm doing, articles I've written, videos I'm doing and, and pop culture catechism. Uh, so the show pop culture catechism is through uh, a Catholic nonprofit called Awaken Catholic. And so you can also go to awakencatholic.org and they've got nine or 10 shows at this point. Um, I think mine's the best personally, but of course <laughs> I'm going to think that, but there, there's, there's lots of good shows on there. Um, so uh, you can also go to awakencatholic.org. Uh, and I'm also doing events now through Awaken Catholic. So if you want to uh, bring me out to your parish to do worship leading or, um, or to give a talk to a parish mission, we're, we're working on developing some stuff like that through Awaken Catholic. So Awesome. Gosh, well, that brings us to the end of our time together, Mike. Thank you so much for your time. I just ask that God continue to bless your family, uh, your ministry, and that many people are drawn to Christ, to his church, through the good work you're doing and your witness. So awesome. thank you thank so much. Thank you so much. God bless. God bless you. What's a castle for? Mike asked this question during our conversation as he was describing his friendship and devotion to St. Teresa of Avila, who wrote The Interior Castle. He mentioned that castles with, you know, their moats and thick stone walls offer protection against an enemy. In this case, in the spiritual life, castles can be a sturdy defense against temptations. But the castle is also where the king lives. And again, to bring it back to the spiritual life, it's where the king of kings, Jesus the Lord, resides. So what do our castles look like these days? Our interior castles, to borrow the imagery from Teresa. Have we built them in such a way that they're designed exclusively to keep others out? Or is the castle of our heart a place where Jesus really lives and who transforms our life and mission from the inside? thus making it a castle that people can see from a distance and want to draw closer because they sense that a good and wonderful king lives there. Another saint that Mike highlighted was St. Vincent Pallotti. So I thought I would track down a quote to help us close out this episode. And in a letter to his spiritual children, St. Vincent Pallotti writes, In the first place, and with all my heart, I thank God who in his mercy has chosen and called you. God sent you as workers in His harvest, that through your ministry, faith may be preserved and love may grow among the sheep of Christ already in His fold, and that those who are still to be led into His chosen flock may be disposed to receive the gift of faith. My friends, I echo St. Vincent Pallotti in his gratitude for those who God in His mercy has chosen to help share the faith and to exemplify Christ's love in the world. Let us, you and I, strive to be those workers who are sent out to preserve faith and grow in love, while never losing sight of those who have not yet heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you'll join me next week as we continue to hear stories of what the Holy Spirit is doing in the world today. Until then, stay well and stay close to Christ. God bless you all. You've been listening to Blazing the Trail, produced through the studios of the Archdiocese of Portland. 
Join us in our mission to share the good news of Jesus Christ across Western Oregon by visiting archdpdx.org.